This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Start a brand new series today called Friending. Everybody say friending. Now look at your neighbor and say, will you be my friend? <laughs> Y'all didn't think it'd be that awkward that fast, did you? Well, it just gets better from here. Good to see you guys. So glad you're at church today. My name is Landon. My wife Kelly and I have the great honor of pastoring this church. And she's on an airplane right now headed back in after taking care of her grandma uh, who fell last week and broke both of her legs. And so we have been praying for Mama. And so Kelly's been uh, in Odessa taking care of her grandmother uh, so she's on an airplane right now. She's supposed to be at church, but her plane got delayed. She was trying to get here in time. Uh, so she'll be here right after the second service. So y'all be praying for, uh, for Mama. If we can do a little family business, just pray for our, my grandma, my grandmother-in-law. And we're just uh, grateful that she's made it through the surgeries. And uh, Kelly, they feel good about it enough for Kelly to be able to come home today. And so uh, she would love to be here because y'all are her best friends. She talks about y'all all the time. Uh, and we love you guys so much. And I want to say welcome, welcome to those that are here for the first time. Church, say a big hello and welcome to those that are with us for the very first time. Glad you're here today. Make sure you fill out that connection card in your worship guide and drop it in the bucket on the way out the door so we can send you a letter and tell you thanks for coming. This series might be one of the most important message series uh, a pastor could ever do. And it's a big burden on our heart. Uh, and you got to ask why. Like why is this series a, a big deal? Well, because if we get our friendships right, it will set you up for success in every important area of life. If we get our friendships wrong, it will bring more pain and more destruction than we could ever imagine. Here's the key thought. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Everyone say that out loud with me. One, two, ready, read. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me who you spend the most time with, and I will show you the trajectory of your life. Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. In another translation, it says, one who walks with the wise become wise, becomes wise, but whoever keeps company with fools only hurts himself. As I look at my life, any success I've had, any of the, the good moments, any of the God moments in my life, it was the result of God using the right friends and the right people to influence me at the right time to help me have better thinking, to lead me towards better decisions. And almost every time, let me, not almost every time, every time I got into trouble, I did not do it alone. Anyone else resonate with that? I didn't wake up in the morning and go, I'm just going to do something bad today. I'm just going to get in trouble today, and I don't want anyone to see it. I just want to do it so I can see it. That's never happened. Every boneheaded thing I ever did, there were a bunch of other boneheads with me. We were doing it together. We were not better together at that moment. To build a foundation for you to think about for the next four weeks, this is an all play. So if you're taking notes on paper, if you're taking notes on your phone, there are sermon notes on the back of your worship guide insert. You can take notes there every week. They're there for you every Sunday. Uh, but I want to do something with you outside of your family or spouse um, and imaginary friends and dogs and definitely not cats. They do not count. 
the people that you would call at 2 a.m., the people that know more about you than anyone else, the people that you wish didn't know everything about, you're like, you're like you know a lot about me. The people that know stuff about you that you're glad no one else knows, your closest friends. I want you to list your top five closest friends. The people that you could call at 2 a.m. That if they saw your name pop up on their phone at 2 a.m., you know they would answer it. The people that you have no doubt that they would fly across the country for you if you called them today and said, I need you. Top five. And think about that for a minute. As you're writing down some names, sociologists and psychologists have taught this for decades. This is not in the Bible. This is, this is just simple humanity. You are the average of your five closest friends. You're the average of your five closest friends. Finances, you're in the middle of the pack. You're pursuing God with, with uh, do you have people that are pursuing God with all their heart and they're spiritually focused? Chances are that three or four of your closest friends are doing the same thing. Like it or not, you and I will become those that we run with. Do you, let me ask you a question, do you want to become the people that you are around the most? Do you look at their life and go, I want to be like them? Or I like their life, or I like the way their marriage runs, I like the way they parent their children, I like the way they spend their money, I like the way they dig into God, I like the way they honor authority, I like the way they're faithful, I like the way they speak, I like the way that they pray. I Do you want to become any of the five people you're around the most? Or would you look at them and, uh, and say, if, if I really want to please God, if, if you're being honest, would you look at the people around you and say, if I really want to please God, I really don't think I have the best influences around me. You want a good marriage? Are you around men and women that have a good marriage? You want stronger finances? Are you around people that have wisdom with money and have good money management. Do you want to get in better shape and all your friends have beaver nuggets for a hobby? <laughs> show me your friends and I'll show you your, say it out loud, future. So I want you to listen to this message today in light of those that you spend the most time with. So let's define friendship. What is it? Proverbs 17, 17 in the SMV says, a friend is someone you may or may not know well who accepts your friend request on Facebook. This person is born to like and comment on your post and to make you feel good about yourself. That is in the social media version. That is not real. Friendships have been redefined and the meaning has been stolen. Now, Proverbs 7, 17 in our real Bible a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for times of adversity. That's better. A friend who will love you all the time, who loves you enough to tell you the truth, 
to celebrate in the good times, to cry in the bad times. A real friend is somebody who doesn't need to follow you online because they were already in the picture. What if you had friends like that that stuck with you for decades? And I don't know about you, but, but this happens to a lot of folks and, and somewhat to me, not all of, of them, but some of them. Even the people that were in your wedding, you don't even know where they live anymore. The people that spent $195 on a tuxedo that you couldn't fit into today if you tried, you have no clue where they even are. I wonder if we could be honest about friendship today. The problem is very few of us have friends like that anymore. Very few of us have friends that will stick closer than a brother. Very few of us have uh, friends that were born for times of adversity with us. In fact, in fact, the U.S. Sociological Society Review said the average American only has two close friends. When I asked you to write down your five closest friends, most of you probably put one, maybe two. Which may not seem alarming to you. You're like, yeah, one or two is fine. I'm, I don't need a bunch of friends. Like, okay. This may not seem alarming to you, but 25 years ago in America, the average American had six friends that would take your phone call at 2 a.m. It would fly across the country on their dime to be with you. So in two and a half decades, it's been cut by 33%. And what's scarier to me? 25% of Americans have reported not having one single trusted friend. Something is wrong. And we know this already. And we feel it, but we keep contributing to it. Top three reasons, not in any certain order, that friendships are declining. Four is, number one, is increased work hours. We, we are so afraid of not being able to provide or we're so worried about what's going on with the government and we just keep watching and reading and listening to all of these things that we, we will kill ourselves. And then we, we have not uh, come into our own uh, wisdom enough to be able to tell our boss no. That I'm not married to you, sir. I'm going home. Remember the times where I was scared to death to talk to my boss and, 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 and Kelly and I had something planned and, and they were like, you're staying late today. And I was like, actually, I'm not. So no, dis, no disrespect, but something's been playing my wife. Well, your job might not be here tomorrow when you get back. I was like, that's okay. I came up the next day and their boss leapfrogged them, put me up for the assistant manager slot the next day. I just wonder if we could get guts again. What would your families look like? Every boss, every high school coach, everybody thinks that what they're doing is the most important thing in your life. But you and I have got to understand that we will sacrifice our family on our job's altar, and it's not worth it. Number two, rising divorce rates. It's contributing to friendship decline. And I am not against, uh, or, excuse me, I, I am not going to lie to you and, and, and just throw out a bunch of statistics to you because we, we, well, I'll get the statistic overload today. But here's one thing that is 100% true. You can look on any 
any city data, any polling, uh, any census, San Antonio metro area has the highest divorce rate of any area in Texas. By far. 5% higher than Houston. Divorces are hard on families and friendships. Friendships break down when the friends are forced to choose. And the things that you used to do together, now you're like, which one do we bring? Like, it, it's hard on everybody. And number three, the explosion of new media. So we've got work hours, we've got divorce rates, and the explosion of new media. Now, I'm not against leveraging social media to connect, but we do have to acknowledge that the game has turned into something that we all wish it hadn't. Fifteen years ago, you never thought of picking up the phone and calling every friend you have to tell them how good those pancakes were. You never thought about it. You never thought about one time that your friends cared at all about what you had to eat. Imagine the friends 15 years ago that you had. If I had called my friend 15 years ago and said, dude, I have just got to get your like on how great these pancakes are. He'd be like, shut up and hang up the phone. So a good friend would tell you, don't waste my time with pancakes, dude. Thought you were calling me about something serious. It's 2 a.m. <laughs> Shouldn't be eating pancakes at 2 a.m. also. Now media is trying to rewrite truth and our children are paying the price. So-called leaders will tell you that teen pregnancy is down. And people will clap about that at a press conference. But they never say the reason. New studies have found that Gen Z is now the loneliest generation in American history. And experts say that we're in the middle of a loneliness epidemic. Our generation is statistically experiencing more feelings of isolation, getting married later, and having less sex. Of course that stat goes down if you're not around people and trying to get married. Studies report that the way TikTok is designed, you never figure out what the next video is. And the algorithm is so good at figuring out what you like, it hooks you up on the streaming. So that's a lot more worrisome to me because that's, it's actually, actually substituting meeting with real friends. It's actually substituting the thing that God created us for. Experts explain that this loneliness epidemic diminishes our health in all forms, physical, mental, emotional, even our sexual health. It's the illusion of intimacy, and it's 100% counterfeit to what God intended. The more we use our phones, the more we crave them. It's true with food, too. The more you eat a certain thing, the more you want that certain thing. The more I'm real with friends, the more I want to be around them. The more I'm with genuine friends, the more I want to be around them. In the upcoming weeks, we're going to talk about next week, we're talking about you're one friend away. That God wants more for your life than you currently have relationally. Week three, we're going to talk about you're one community away. Not only does God want us to have friends, but he wants us to have a community of friends to live life with. And in a world that champions independence, God created us to be dependent, spirit-led people. And he wants us to connect with people. Week four, we're talking about 
unfriending. You might have the right life, but the wrong friend. We're going to talk about boundaries, and we're going to redefine some relationships that day. We're going to learn about the friend that you need to have today. Let's talk about the friend that you need to be. I've narrowed it down to the two most imperative things that will help you to be the friend that you need to be. Are you ready? Today's all about you. Week four, it's all about them. Week one, it's all about you. Are you ready? We're going to talk about rediscovering the lost art of friendship. It is an art. It is an art. Relationships have to be worked on and cultivated and developed. So number one, to rediscover the lost art of friendship, you got to be present. you got to be there. Anytime we, you go out to eat, you see it. Nobody's talking. Nobody's engaged. So I want us to repeat this. Repeat after me. Ready? Out loud. Make the second service hear you from their homes. Ready? I will, I will. develop my friendships face to face, not thumbs to thumbs. So true. There is power in presence. That's why online church to me is, is not okay. It's one of the reasons we stopped live streaming our worship and only the sermon. Because we're not going to contribute to the illusion that online church is church. And so we, people got to be in the room. You got to be in the room. You got to feel the room. You got to be around God's people. There's a difference between someone saying, hey, I'm praying for you with a little emoji hands. There's a difference in someone saying that and then someone saying what Sonia Koenig said. Is Sonia in the room? So, so what Sonia Koenig did for Kelly and I when we had our miscarriage, our first pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. And I remember um, I was a youth pastor at the time and Kelly, Kelly was home and uh, I remember Sonia finding out about it and calling and um, we were saying, just, just be praying for us. And, and Sonia said, no, I'm already in the car. I'll be there in seven minutes. We didn't, I mean, she didn't ask, do you want me to come over? Um, are you appropriately dressed for my visit? Um, is your house clean? Do you have coffee ready for me? She just said, I'll be there, and you don't get a choice. If y'all know Sonia, you know exactly that's what happened. <laughs> And Kelly can hardly even tell that story without crying. Because her visit that day meant the world. A lot of people said they were praying for us, and that's great, and it means the world. And never stop telling people you're praying for them. But there's a difference between the emoji hands and someone showing up at your house uninvited. That's a real friend. I remember when uh, we had, we've done a few funerals in our church's history, and, and I remember being in the room with a family and they had just passed and like they were, they were, the family member was in the room that had just passed and there were 30, 40 something people around and, uh, and I, was, I was in the room and I was just kind of off to the side letting the family have their moment and a bunch of them were, you know, were quasi-Catholic, hadn't been to mass since they were in CCD and so they say they're Catholic but not really and 
So they're, they're looking at me. Some of them were calling me father, and I was like, y'all need to stop. That's uh, not true. Um, in fact, the Bible says don't call anyone father except me, so that's also weird. But I was like, no, we're not doing that. Um, but all I did, I, did, I felt like the worst pastor in the world because I didn't say a word. I couldn't find the words to say. The death was tragic. It was not supposed to happen this way. It was awful. It was, it was not, not a 90-year-old person. This person was in their 40s. And the family is all around. It should not have happened this way. And then the, after the funeral, one of the family members, I, felt, I got in the car and I was like, I'm such a bad pastor. I'm such an idiot. I didn't say a word. I just put my cold hands on everybody's back and then walked out of the room. And then afterwards, the family approached me. They said, we, don't, we just want you to know that what you did that night changed everything for our family. I was like, what? Were you at the same place? And then one of them said, what you said changed my life. I was like, I didn't say anything. And I was, but there, I was sitting there going, God, what are you doing? Here's the deal. Presence is power. Being in the room, that's why Kelly went to Odessa for her grandmother. Being in the room matters. Not just present physically, but emotionally. When you talk to friends, does it say surface level? When you talk to friends, does it say surface level? Do you talk about sports or the weather or Star Wars or whatever? Or does it go to places God intended it to go with real people? Because in that depth of conversation, there's healing, processing, and pathways for soul-level peace in conversations like that. Being present requires a few key ingredients. I've created a formula for you since I'm a mathematician. Here's the formula. Intentionality plus time plus resources equals being present. Intentionality plus time, plus resources, equals being present. And the best examples of this in our lives are mine and Kelly's friends, Dave and Jenny. We met them in in 2004. Uh, Kelly and I had been married like a month uh, when we met Dave and Jenny. We had just moved to Dallas, and we're starting at a different school, and Kelly and I had just gotten married. And... I remember, like, after we met them, they, we, he's a, he, was, they, he was a big football, he's a big football fan, and um, he lives in Michigan, so he's a Detroit Lions fan, and, and, and I'm not. And so we, like, had, we razzed each other about that. But he found out where we grew up and the whole Friday Night Lights thing and high school football and said, hey, well, we're only five hours from Odessa. We'll crash at, at my Meemaw's house. Let's all go. And so we, we all took the time off and we went to Odessa. Here's us in Odessa on that trip uh, with Dave and Jenny. Um, that was a long time ago, very long time ago in my lime green, white, striped dress shirt. Uh, that's Dave and Jenny. That's at Kelly's grandmother's house. And uh, we had only been married a few months. And, and we took them to the, you know, Odessa High uh, Permian Panthers game. Um, and it was, it was so fun, and we still tell stories about that trip because my Meemaw was driving us in her minivan so we could all fit, 
and we all almost died. She's such a bad driver. And he still tells the stories of the curves that were jumped, the cuss words that were said by my grandmother. Um, you know, she wasn't your cookie baking kind of grandma. So it, we still tell stories about that. That was in 2004. And, uh, and, and then there was one where we did a sandwich eating contest. And like if you didn't, if you didn't eat the sandwich completely, you owed the rest of us Outback Steakhouse. So here's us after we had made our sandwiches. We went and spent way too much money uh, at, I don't remember what store it was in Dallas, but we, that was me and David and my, my little brother, and we had, we had made these sandwiches. And by the way, Heath, my little brother, did not finish his sandwich. He still owes me and David Outback. And that is one of the things that David reminds my brother of every time he sees him to this day. That was in 2005. Uh, Dave and Jenny, this is Dave and Jenny, Kelly and I on a double date at the Texas Rangers game. And we just, uh, we, we had so much fun that day and it was, it was, it was an investment because we didn't have any money. We were all poor college kids. We didn't have any money. And so there was this investment into that day. Nosebleed seats and all, but it was so much fun. Uh, this next one is now there's children involved. We're at the Royal Gorge uh, in Colorado Springs. They're in Colorado. Um, we, and, yeah, all those kids just popped out of nowhere, didn't they? They <laughs> feels like that to us, too. So all these kids just popped out of nowhere. But here's the thing about this is that Dave and Jenny and Kelly and I have been vacationing together every summer since 2004. And they live in northern Michigan. And we live in south Texas. We couldn't be further apart unless they lived in Canada and we lived in Mexico. Like we are, we are as far apart from each other as you can get, top to bottom in the United States. And we have found ways to be around each other and then bring the kids along. Uh, this one is uh, our, our daughters, KK and Gracie, when they were itty bitty uh, at Garden of the Gods. Aren't they adorable? Uh, where's Kaylin? There she is. Look at my baby girl. As a... She was so cute. As KK and Gracie. And then they grow up and do things like this when they steal your phone. Uh, that's what happens. <laughs> that was this summer um, at the lake house. And so they, they grow up and then they make a lock screen for you without your permission. That's what happens. This next picture is of me and David. We were at the zoo uh, in Colorado Springs. It was one of the trips. We've taken our fam each of our families to Colorado like Probably three or four times we met in Colorado Springs. Um, and so that was David and I. This picture was taken after um, he was, like, kissing the giraffe and, like, and I couldn't get it on camera. So we just got the best next thing. But that, that, was, that was us in Colorado Springs. And funny enough, uh, that was the trip, Melissa. We saw you at that zoo. And we, were, and we heard Pastor Landon. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> what have I been saying and doing in the last hour? I'm on vacation. I was not ready <laughs> to be a pastor this week. But we were behaving. We were at a zoo, and it was for the kids. So it was, it was a good time. Uh, but I, that was such a fun trip. And, uh, and then this one, this is their oldest daughter, Genesis. This last summer, she was driving our boat. And I remember when Genesis was born. And, and we, we were holding her. And then when we do family vacations, it was just the four of us in Genesis. And then now she's driving our boat with all of us in tow. And it's, it's incredible to see what God does with that. This next picture, this was 2023. This is still on, uh, on vacation and uh, so much fun uh, with these kids and their parents. And our kids know them. Their kids know us. 
uh, and it matters a lot um, that you have friends like that. And this last picture is what I just call puzzle friends. Everybody, this is a gift that we gave the Wilsons for Christmas. Uh, it was our families all together, uh, and we found a website where you can turn a picture into a puzzle. And they sat at their house on Christmas Day and put the puzzle together on Christmas Day and sent us a picture of it. Everybody needs puzzle friends. Everybody needs friends that would take time on Christmas to look at your face and do something as frustrating and boring as a puzzle. Am I right or am I right? You know, it takes, I've already told her. Um, intentionality. Every summer there's, there's, there's already a, an Airbnb board for next year. There's already phone calls, planning, preparation, dates selected. That's the intentionality. There's time. It's, it's the, the phone calls, the laughing, the, the, the intentionality and the time spent behind relationships. As some of you might remember if you were here on launch day almost nine years ago, David surprised me and flew down for our church's opening day. Thinking ahead and time actually spent and, and then resources. 99% of the time developing friendships is going to take money. It's going to take money. Even when we were poor college kids and we would call each other after church, we were youth pastors at a church in Mesquite. They were children's pastors at a church in Duncanville. And we would meet at one of each other's apartments and we'd bring macaroni. They'd bring hot dogs. That's how poor we were. And we'd just mix it all together and watch TV. Even that still required money because we had to buy the macaroni. So it's always going to require some level of resource. But everybody needs puzzle friends. And you get there through conversations and sometimes tough ones. Money spent, time spent, planning, being present. Not all of those road trips were fun. When we meet in North Carolina, it's a 19-hour drive. And when the kids were little, it was hell. And that investment was worth it. In fact, just this week, David called to talk and ask about stuff, and we had a pretty deep, good conversation. It's about being present. Jesus didn't say, read this book only. He said, follow me. There was proximity there. There was presence there. And this next verse can be used in so many contexts, including today's. Look at Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people lazily do, but encourage one another, especially now. Now, the word encourage is a Greek compound word, and it's the same word in the New Testament that's used to describe the Holy Spirit. It's parakaleo. Para is where we get the word parallel. Kaleo is called, like to come alongside. If you've ever, if you grew up in church and you ever heard the word paraclete, it's like it's, the Holy Spirit's job is to come alongside, to teach, lead, guide, provide, and counsel. And so this, this experience of the Holy Spirit, they're using the same word to describe the Holy Spirit to talk about you being with people. To be by someone's side in major life moments in disappointments, in struggle, in pain, in joy, in fun, in laughter, 
when Kelly was pregnant with Genesis, there, or when Jenny was pregnant with Genesis, Kelly flew up to Michigan and surprised her at her baby shower. I just wonder if you've invested into friendships or if we just go to work, go home, get the kids in bed, drink a glass of wine, hope it all goes away, wake up, do it all over again. And then when you need a friend or when your pastor says, write down your five top friends, you can't think of anybody. I wonder how different your family would be, your friendships would be, your mental health would be, your joy would be if you were present with people. And I tell you, it's a big deal for me. I'm a relational guy. I don't recharge alone. It's so boring. Um, I recharge being around people that laugh and do things almost illegal. It's fun. It's recharging. So what's fun about that is, is there's other, other pastor friends that I have that recharge that way too. And it takes time and money to cultivate those relationships. It's not easy, especially with pastor schedules. There's, there's already the next hangout for me and my pastor buddies around town for two months from now. Because that's the next open date for everybody. But there's something to look forward to. And it takes time and it takes work. And sometimes it's frustrating to figure it all out. But you got to be present. you got to be in the room. Number two, so being present, number two, is you got to get open. you got to get open. There's a very real and a powerful phobia that's literally in manuals now about the fear of using your phone. Fear, the, the fear of talking on the phone. There's tons of people that are afraid to use a real phone. Because you, why? Because you can't predict the direction of the conversation. You've done it, and I've done it, where they call and you let it go to voicemail. You don't decline it because they'll know you hit the button on the side to turn it off. So you let it go to voicemail, and then you listen to the voicemail. Why? Because you're in control. You get to think about it. You don't have to be open in the moment. You get to think about whether they are worth your openness or not. Now, we do that with spam risk, but we don't do it with people if we want healthy relationships. When you text, you're in control. You get to carefully craft it. And we've all seen it if you have an iPhone or if you're not saved yet and have an Android. Like on an iPhone. <laughs> Sorry. When an iPhone pops up and the, and, the, and the bubbles are blue, that means they are also saved. And so everyone has an iPhone if it's blue. If it's green, they have a galaxy, and we'll pray for them. But if it's, if it's blue, and then there's that little text, that little thing that pops up when it shows that they're texting, and then it goes away. And you're like, huh? Huh? And then it does this for 20 minutes, and then finally the world's longest text message comes through. Because they have been working strenuously, using all of their emotional energy that's needed to parent their children to respond to you. When y'all could have just talked on the phone. Like there's this fear 
of using the phone is we have to be in control. Some research out of Australia shows that 90% of Gen Z feels physiological responses and measurable anxiety when a phone rings. And that an awkward phone call is one of the top three things they want to avoid in life. I'm thinking like I'd like to avoid bankruptcy or alligators, rattlesnakes. Not a phone ringing. Guys, there's, there's this real phobia that is coming over people. It's very sad. People are becoming increasingly less and less able to share their hearts is the point. Especially face to face. This phone phobia, the, the fear of avoiding conversation is what it's about, not the phone itself. They're not afraid of a phone. They're afraid of people. It's notable to say that they're afraid of those conversations because of the fear that they are intruding into someone else's life. See, intrusion is only the feeling if we don't believe that the person would care to speak to us. When I call David, I don't have the thought that I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not intruding. I don't ask David, hey, is now a good time to talk? I say that to like Time Warner when they call or, or, or when, I, when I call someone, you know, from church or if Time Warner calls me, they always say, is now a good time to talk? And I'm always like, no, it's actually not. Calling someone I don't really know or calling an acquaintance, we talk like that. But if David's busy, he's, he's like, hey, bro, walking into a meeting, I'll call you back at 30. Cool. There's, there's this lack of care for your own self that is contributing to your lack of true friendship. Because maybe you don't believe that anybody would want to be a friend with you. Like, why would they want to be a friend with this? When you have puzzle friends, though, it's never an intrusion. It's always welcomed. Can you imagine, like, how it was back in the olden days when you hear a knock at the door and it wasn't like, God. Like, if someone knocks on your door now, raise your hand if you get happy. Y'all are very interesting people. I think that... When someone knocks on our door, it's a kid that wants to play with my kids, or it's a Mormon. That's the only people that knock on our door. <laughs> and back in the day, though, when someone knocked on your door, it's because they knew where you lived and they were coming over for supper. And now you had to feed unwelcomed, uninvited, or uninvited but welcomed guests. So that means your kids get a little less food, so now you have to hear them complain. But it was like, it was this... I welcome people into our home. I wonder if our homes have become places like, they're like bunkers in war instead of cities on a hill. It's the enemy's plan to keep you bound up in darkness and sick and quiet and alone. Couples in the room, if you're, if you're a couple, engaged, married, or dating, whatever, if you don't have a, cup, a friend couples in the church, whose marriages you'd want to be, you need to find those quickly. And you're never going to find friends like that just by dating each other all the time. Gotta go out with people. When was the last time, husbands, 
you planned ahead and took care of the money appropriately to where you could take your wife on a double date with other great people and her not have to worry about any of the details. If you can't think of a day, you know what I mean? Guys, there's so many great people just in this room and there's a whole other batch of folks coming in a couple of minutes and there's a lot of people in this church that you could be friends with. You think God brought you here on, brought you here on accident today to hear a sermon about being friends with people? He knew you'd be here and he knew this is what the message was gonna be about, it's his message. James 5.16 says it this way, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you'll be healed. What that verse really means is we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to people for healing. You'll never heal alone. Back when Kelly landed in Odessa to see Mama, the, sur the orthopedic surgeon came in and said, you know, she's gonna heal because all you guys showed up. because she was getting darker, like in a dark, dark place, and they were calling the family saying, you guys might need to come. She's not gonna make it. And then as soon as every child and every grandchild got there, within half a day, she started to perk up and perk up and perk up. It's the benefit of proximity. See, we impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. Now, I, I'm not saying this to like try to be provocative, to evoke some kind of frustration in you towards a pastor, but I had a bunch of dudes over the other day to smoke cigars, and we were smoking cigars, and we were talking, and we didn't sit there and go, so tell me about how great you are. No, it was literally guys were talking to each other across the porch going, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, that you would say that to your wife. What is wrong with you? That's how guys love each other. Like, don't, don't do that. Like, man, that, or, or encouraging each other, like, dude, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen you do. Like, it, real, genuine, depth-level conversation. You don't connect with people by machismo. It's in transparency and vulnerability that you connect with folks. It's in transparency and vulnerability that'll make another family in Northern Michigan drive 20 hours to meet you somewhere. God wants to do a divine work in our hearts. And I do know that intimate connections create strength. So I'm gonna ask the band to come out and help me with this. You know, some might say, I don't have the right friends. I've tried. Landon, I've tried. I, d I just don't. I haven't found the right people yet. There might be some truth to that. I don't know. I don't know where you're looking. It's kind of like trying to look for a good wife in a honky-tonk. Probably ain't going to happen. You know, so I, I don't know where you're looking. But I do know you're in the right place right now to find some friends. 
Well, and I've been hurt before. I've been stabbed in the back. You don't, you don't know what they did to me and my family. I don't. But I've been through my, my share of stuff too, and it is hard to start over. Because you can't just knock on their door and ask if they want to come play at the park. It's harder now. But I do know that it's going to be very difficult for you to find friends if you're not in a small group. It's going to be difficult for you to find friends if you're not at church every Sunday. There are avenues available to you to start that journey. Even tonight is growth track at 5 o'clock. There's going to be a bunch of brand new people there who don't know anybody. Perfect. It's a friend market. Come find one. Or if you're saying, I, I don't need anyone. I'm not doing that again. I get it. Is there, is there anybody in the room today that would be honest with me? Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes just to help eliminate distractions. And prayer partners, go ahead and come on down too. Is there anyone here that would say before God, just being honest, Landon, I, I, I see the value of these friendships and I get what you're saying. And I want to commit to being present. I want to get open and develop the intimacy of strong relationships and friendships. I want to develop friendships in a way that would please God and help me move forward on purpose. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a godly friend. And I want to be present and I want to be open. Now I'm going to take steps towards that end this week. If that's you, raise your hand. Just be honest. Good, 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 good. Wow, 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 wow. The second question is, I want everyone in the room to think about the five people you're around the most. Because you're the average of those five people. Think about the people you're around the most. Are they passionately pursuing God? Maybe you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Perhaps you've gotten distracted or distant and now you're looking up and you're realizing whatever the case that you're finding out, like I, I don't have this relationship with him and I need relationships with people and I want them to be good ones and I, I need that depth. See, Jesus is relational, and he wants that relationship with you. He's welcomed you today into forgiveness and into relationship. The prayer partners are down here to pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. They're down here to pray with you for any healing you need. They're down here to pray with you for any courage you need. They're down here to pray with you for anything that you need. But especially they're down here to pray for you that God would begin to continue to lead you in the direction of great friendships. Everybody look up at me. I, Kelly and I didn't know in 2004 when we moved to Dallas, we didn't know anybody. And David and I just happened to sit down right next to each other at chapel. And Here's how the friendship started. It was this, the Bible school I went to was kind of rowdy in their worship 
experience style. And, and you know, I can flow there, but I'm not, like, I'm not going to be the one doing cartwheels and running with flags. I just wasn't going to be that guy. And, and so I sat down, he sat down, and these people were all around us. And this lady was screaming, like worshiping so loud she was yelling. It was like piercing. And we were like trying to like worship, and it was like, oh. I mean, it was like, you know when some people talk, you're just like, oh, we'll text. Text is better for us. Like their voice just gets on your nerves. This was her. And I was like, oh, oh. And then I looked over to look at her, but he was doing the same thing. And then we both looked at each other and went. That's how our friendship started. And we still make jokes about that lady 20 years later. And I'll, I'll never forget those days, those moments. And I'll never forget when David and I were like, hey, we're going to go to Cedar Hill State Park. Y'all like to hike. We like to hike. And me and David have been friends for a few months. And now the wives were going to meet. It's a big deal. It's a scary moment because it could ruin everything if they don't like each other. And so we were like, hey, you tell Jenny, I'll tell Kelly. And so he was like, Jenny's down for it. I'm like, Kelly's down for it. So we go to the state park, and they hit it off. And they're, like, frolicking through the – they don't frolic. But, you know, like they're walking through the hiking trail. <laughs> Kelly's not here. I can say it. it was, they were holding hands and skipping through the woods. And it was just a beautiful moment. But I remember David and I looking at each other as we were walking around Joe Pool Lake, and we, we, he was like, I'm so glad they like each other. And that was the beginning of the first planning for the first vacation. And I just, I, I think if you don't start taking steps, you'll look up at 70 and wish you had friends. And so today it can start in a beautiful way. Don't make excuses. It can start today, and it can start by you coming and getting prayer and receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It can start by receiving prayer for courage to take the next step. It can start by, by you getting in a small group today, getting on the roster. It can start with you by getting into growth track, whatever it is, or all of the above. Today's your day. Everybody stand to your feet this morning. The response time today is about you taking steps and learning how to be that friend to make that phone call, to cultivate those relationships. I'm going to pray, and we're going to open the altars. This is what we call response time. It takes about five minutes, and they're here to pray with you. There's communion on the sides of the room, but we are going to pray and invite God uh, to, uh, in, into this moment specifically as you take a step of response. Amen? Let's lift our hands to the Lord and just surrender these moments to Him. God, right now in this moment, we declare that You are for us, that You are not against us, that there is a beautiful future and a beautiful friendships waiting on us. God, that you've got, you know what our next vacations are gonna look like and who they're gonna be with. You know exactly uh, those people that are gonna be in our lives. And God, I declare right now in Jesus' name that you're gonna give everyone in this room courage to make that phone call, to send that message, to make that invitation, that their life will be full of good friends and good food and lots of laughter because it's how you designed humanity. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.